it actually was a pact. And it wasn't just a pact between the guys. Mm -hmm. It was a pact between the six of us. Stay tuned. We'll get to my conversation with Kimmy and Maurice from Love and Marriage Huntsville right after these quick ads. Hey, Raindrops. So before we get into my interview with Love and Marriage Huntsville's Kimmy and Maurice, child, we got so much to talk about very quickly. For starters, we got to get into the second episode of The Real Housewives of Potomac. This season is starting off hot, and I could not be more excited. Yes! And let's just get right into it. We got to talk about what's going on with Chris Bassett, Ashley Darby, Giselle Kobe Bryant, <laughs> and Candace. Oh my gosh, where do I begin besides the fact that I need to wonder if somebody pulled a hamstring because it was a reach <laughs> of all reaches when it comes to whether or not Chris did anything inappropriate. Look, I am a firm believer that, yes, we should take everything seriously and really see what's going on. But based on the DM that Chris sent Ashley Darby at 2.45 in the morning, I don't think it was a big deal. He clearly responded to your Insta story where you are hanging out at another location. He responded to the Insta story, and the only thing he said was, y'all should have came to park, you know, where he works. And look, this is what I know being a producer. Cast members are very close to each other, right? Regardless if it's a situation to where y'all getting along or not, when you're on a show with other, let's just say reality stars, right, and their husbands, it's sort of like this big camaraderie that you have with each other, right? The husbands look at these housewives like their little sisters. Regardless of what happens when the women go at it, the guys never get involved unless your name is Peter Thomas. <laughs> but typically, the guys do not get involved in the drama. They just don't. So the men always feel like, you know, look, you may not get along with my wife, but that's between y'all. And I see you guys as like my little sister. So, you know, I'm able to at least communicate with you and my wife isn't going to get mad. And when you look at Chris, because I like to look at the history of the person. Chris Bassett comes across as somebody who, yes, loves his wife, defends his wife, but he does it in a way where he doesn't allow that to affect his friendships with the other women. Because he honestly, like most husbands, feel like, again, that's between the women. So him making that statement to Ashley wasn't weird to me at all. And this is one of those cases, I'm just going to say it, I feel like, okay, are you guys reaching for a storyline? You know what I mean? Like, Peter Thomas and NeNe Leakes were great friends, right? While NeNe and Cynthia obviously were best friends, 
Greg, may he rest in peace, and Peter were also good friends too. If Peter DM'd Nene Leaks at 2.45 in the morning saying, yo, you should have came to bar one, I don't think Greg Leaks would think that's an issue, and I don't think Nene Leaks would think that was an issue, right? Now, granted, Candace and Ashley aren't as close as Nene and Cynthia were. However, it doesn't mean that this man is trying to push up on you, Ashley. You are a beautiful girl. I got a chance to meet Ashley in person. Ashley, like I said before, is super gorgeous. However.com, Ashley, I don't think Chris Bassett is that dumb that even if he wanted to flirt with you, he's not stupid enough to DM you where he knows how this game works, where he knows you can screenshot it, like how other people have screenshotted your husband doing things while y'all were married. I think Ashley was looking for a storyline. I think Ashley was looking to get back at Candace for Candace revealing to Ashley what Michael Darby was doing with his penis um, in the W Hotel, the Hilton, the Residence Inn, the Super 8, the Intercontinental. Yeah, again, all allegedly. So I think Ashley was just trying to get back at Candace for all the things Candace said. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Then we had Giselle Kobe Bryant. (laughs) The force multiplier of multipliers. We also had her sort of reveal some information about feeling uncomfortable that Chris went inside her hotel room after they taped the reunion. So just to go back a little bit, the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion was taped in this hotel that had a ballroom. So it wasn't like Chris drove five miles to the hotel in which Giselle was staying, right? They were all at the same location, the the reunion and the hotel. So Chris wanting to talk to Giselle privately, again, Chris, in my opinion, really looks at these women like his sisters. And because that reunion was very, I'm not going to say dark. I don't think it was dark. I actually thought it was funny. But because that reunion was very heightened in the sense of a lot was going on, I think Chris just wanted to talk to Giselle, especially because he wanted to, you know, make sure that his wife, Ashley, not Lord, did I say wife, Ashley? Lord Jesus. Oh, my God, that is so shady. I meant to say his wife, Candace, Lord Jesus, and Latter-day Saints. Okay, because Chris wants to defend his wife, I truly believe he wanted to talk to Giselle just to make sure that they all understood that Candace is really taking what's going on between her and Monique seriously, and she may need some support. Which is why... When Giselle told this story to Robin, and again, I do believe the way Giselle felt, you can't discount her feelings. That's how she felt, right? But that's why when she told Robin, another woman, that's why Robin was like, I I don't see the big deal. And, And I thought that was helpful because I am a man. So I never want to assume that because I feel this way, a woman should feel this way. But that's why it was so interesting that Robin, who not only is a woman, but Giselle's best friend, was like, 
Nah, B, I don't, I don't see the, I don't see the issue here. So because Ashley had that experience, Giselle, who is the chef of storylines, I feel was like, ooh, this could be interesting. So let me tell Candace my truth. Again, this is Giselle's truth, and you gotta respect a woman who's saying to people, this is my truth, right? Baby, did y'all peep how when Giselle and Candace sat down and Giselle told Candace what time it was when it came to her husband, Chris, did y'all see how Candace was looking around the producers and the camera guys like, oh, y'all got me fucked up. Is this really what we're doing? I saw that in Candace's eyeballs, honey. Like, y'all got me fucked up. So when Candace got up and went to the executive producer, who, by the way, is my mentee. His name is Eric. Eric is fabulous. He is the Carlos King of the Real Housewives of Potomac. He is fabulous, honey. Candace caught that shade, bitch, and was like, y'all not about to Michael Darby, Chris Bassett. <laughs> y'all ain't doing that. Not today. Not in this scene. Is this a storyline we are about to go? Because if that's the case, I'm out. I'm out. Candace was like, we ain't doing this. And in that moment, I really felt bad for Candace because if I was in her shoes, not only did Ashley say to me, your husband DM'd me at 2.45 in the morning saying come to the W because the picture was you and another female having fun at another event. She now has to be with Giselle. And one thing about Candace Diller-Bassett, baby, call her a Rolex because she knows what time it is, baby. She knows that Giselle is the queen, baby, of multiplying a story. And she looked at Giselle green eyeballs and said, oh my gosh, this is about to be the storyline this season. And she had to leave because I do believe she felt so much anxiety in her body that she had to exit stage left. And by stage left, bitch, it was the bathroom. (laughs) So, I mean, this is going to be very interesting. As you all know, we had Candace on this podcast recently, and she said things like, my husband does not want Giselle's 50-year-old puss. Her words, not mine. And based on what I'm seeing, this is going to be very bad. Very bad. So much so, I'm not sure how Candace and Giselle are going to recover from this. But let me know what you guys think. Do you guys think that it was inappropriate for Chris to slide into Ashley DMs and leave a comment in general, regardless if it was harmless or not, because it was 2.45 in the morning and Ashley is a married woman? Or do you all think it was innocent? Let me know. Tweet me, hashtagging reality with the king, baby. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Kimmy and Maurice from Love and Marriage Huntsville. 
All right, Raindrops, we have one of the most attractive couples on reality television. <laughs> the, the very sweet, the very motivating, the, the epitome of unbotheredness. They let nothing get to them because they will check you. And I know you guys ask me all the time, like, Carlos, who you're afraid of in life? Besides God, who I'm fearful of, second would be Kimmy no! Scott. Yes! Kimmy <laughs> <laughs> Not afraid. <laughs> hey, Carlos, what was the moment that it actually started? <laughs> now, I remember this, and I wonder if you remember. No, you go first, man. No, I remember for you, when we were getting married in Miami, we were getting married in Miami, and production kind of took over, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I kind of wasn't happy. <laughs> and you literally left. <laughs> literally left. And you said, I picked my battles. <laughs> you said, I picked my battles. <laughs> and Carlos was like, eh, I'm going to leave that with y'all. <laughs> it was Miami. Was that what you were going to say? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It was Miami. Carlos said, you'll never know we were here. One thing I love about the two of you is the fact that none of you grew up thinking, like, I'm going to be a celebrity. Or that my life was going to be on television, right? Mm -hmm. So to have this boy from Maurice's hometown of the D, Detroit, Michigan, to come into your life to say, I'm going to do a reality show, it gets picked up because Miss Winfrey loved it. Then to say, oh, you're getting married? We're going to film your wedding. On national TV, whoever thinks of that. Exactly. <laughs> I produce a lot of wedding specials. And one thing I know is you let the bride on her day do what she wants. Yes, we're all like interfering on Kimmy's day. And usually when a reality star has a wedding special or her wedding is filmed, she's been on TV for many Correct. years. So she gets used to the cameras. Correct. So in Kimmy's defense, y'all, I understood like, oh, sis ain't fucking with me. So guess what I'm going to do? I am going to exit stage left and I am going to talk to Marceau. Mm -hmm. And the rest is history. And somebody asked me on another interview, as a matter of fact, like, was I hesitant? And I was like, no, not at all. Like, that was first season. We were excited. We wanted to do everything. I said, ask me in fifth season if I let them film my way. <laughs> oh, that's a no. <laughs> right. I already know. I already know. Again, Carlos King picks his battles. One thing that I and the audience loves about the two of you, y'all come across so authentic and real when it comes to the show. I will go on record saying, I don't think the two of you have been affected by the fame. But I want to hear from you, knowing that here you are trying to just live your everyday life. Cameras start to follow you. Now you're famous. You guys have the number one show on the Oprah Winfrey Network. What does that feel like? I don't feel like a celebrity. I don't feel famous. From start to finish, that was never my goal. When you met us, our goal was providing community service. And this just gives us a much bigger and nicer platform to do it. So I'm truly unbothered when people want to say hi or talk or stop you in the airport or in the grocery store or Walmart, because I feel we were afforded a platform to kind of continue doing some of the stuff that we actually want to do. As vocal as people think I am, 
I'm actually pretty private. Like, you know, I don't care to be a celebrity. Like, I don't care to be a ce- That's not my goal. So when people say, oh, she not booked and busy, I'm okay with that because I go to work. So I'm enjoying where we are because it was totally unexpected. And I would like to make the best of, you know, where we are in this moment. And what would you say, Maurice? Pretty much the same thing. You know, I've, I've never been looking for fame. But remember, Carlos, when we first got on the show, we said we wanted to be good, you know, and we said we wanted to be number one. Whatever number one was, that's what we wanted. Um, And that's I think that's that's an attestment to all of the people that were on the show. The original six, of course, we were looking like, guys, if we're going to do something, we want to do it big and we want to be good at it. Um, But ultimately, of course, we didn't all know what comes with that, you know. (laughs) So but the good side of what comes with it is that your words are more impactful. No matter what you're saying, you know, it travels further. And Carlos, like, this is like what I see in, um, and I'll just kind of stick with the original six and how I know them as people. Everybody seems to be doing what they wanted to do from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, literally. So, you know, my goal wasn't to be on the runway with Mel doing whatever. That was Mel's goal. Mel's doing what Mel wants to do, what Mel mm-hmm. set out to do. Marceau and commercial real estate you know, strip malls and building and, you know, providing that kind of service to the community. Marshall's doing what Marshall wanted to do. And so, you know, I get kind of put off sometimes when everybody compares you to the next person. I don't want to do what Mel's doing. I don't want to do what Marshall's doing. I want to do what I'm doing. And this platform has afforded every single one of these um, initial couples to do exactly what they wanted to set out to do. And I think that's awesome. No, it is awesome. And when we first started to do this show, each one of you guys separately and as couples had your own agenda. And I'm happy to say that has never wavered. The intention has never wavered. And what happens when you become famous, especially whether it's a daytime talk show, a late night talk show, or reality TV. And the reason I'm bringing those things up is because you're in America's homes either daily or weekly. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's every Saturday night. People feel like they know you. Mm -hmm. I love the Love and Marriage Huntsville fans. Lord knows I do. And I (laughs) thank them for making us number one. (laughs) You know I do. I I appreciate y'all. Because of you guys, we're number one. However.org... Oftentimes, the fans like to pit the stars against each other. And it's sort of like female hip-hop, where you have one fan base feeding something into the the, the celebrity's ear. Ooh, is this a subtweet about you, girl? Correct. Look mm-hmm. what they're saying about Correct. you. And that happens a lot, especially with the Love & Marriage Huntsville fans. They love to pit all of y'all against each other. Yes. And the one thing that I love about the two of you is y'all don't feed into the mess. Now, be clear. We do a little bit of clapping every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because sometimes it's only so much you can take. Like, sometimes you read a couple things and you're like, what was you thinking? Like, every now and then. So I don't want to even act like we don't ever get in the mix and kind of, you know, say something here or there or whatever. But for the most part, in all fairness, um, some of the comments, some of the things that I look at, I think they're substantiated in some of them. And so I look at it as, okay, yeah, maybe I could have said that different or maybe I could have done that different. I personally don't take every single jab as they're wrong and I'm right. 
That's me personally. I don't take every jab as I'm the one that's right and they're wrong. However, sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're really wrong. <laughs> sometimes they're really wrong. Give me an example, Kimmy, of when they got it really wrong. There's a few examples for me. You know, like people say, oh, they don't have storylines and this, that, and the other. One of the biggest storylines, obviously, for us was the whole side chick thing, you know, and I've absolutely never been a side chick. <laughs> Ever. Whatever happened in their household happened before they knew who Akimi was. Papers were signed like that whole thing. And it was just nothing that you could say that, oh, Kimmy's not being honest. Kimmy's not being transparent. And I'm like, except things happened with them before Kimmy ever showed up. And the people who it happened with, no, it was not a moment of transparency for me. It was never a moment of transparency for me. Um, it was a story that they wanted to run with, and they did. And to be fair, four years later, we're not running with it anymore, so it's not a storyline. But that was one thing. The Atlanta trip. Oh, Kimmy didn't know where Maurice was, except Kimmy did. <laughs> and the fact that we sat on a stage with six people looking at Maurice like, huh? Like, we knew where he was. That we didn't find out at the reunion, oh no, Maurice was in Atlanta. And it just, and it, that's you, funny to on. me. You see, why did you bring that up? <laughs> Maurice, the fans want to know, why did you lie to your boy Carlos? I didn't lie to Carlos. This is what happened. Carlos, think about this. If you have a drink, right? I'm going to use Marceau's <laughs> analogy. And you toss oh, a little we go. pee in there. Do you drink that drink? No. Why? Because it's tainted. Once you said the extra part, it became tainted. So I can't answer in the affirmative. So it happened. Carlos, it was a mess. It was an <laughs> unnecessary mess. Hey, and with me period. being the best communicator I know, <laughs> I stand to reason with him that even if he felt like your question was given in two parts, you answer in two parts. <laughs> It's very simple to me. So, like, I wasn't stressed out for the backlash because I felt like he brought it on himself. Hey, Carlos, let me let me get in here real quick. If you look back at the camera, you actually see me look up because I had to process that. One. How am I going to answer this? <laughs> well, you processing a lie or, or a way to get out of it. I was processing Scott. a way to answer your question and it's get out of it. <laughs> You were trying to find a way of answering my question without incriminating yes. yourself and your brother. Uh, yes. That's what yes. I'm saying. As a brother, as a friend, hey, as listen. all of that. Yeah. As listen. all of that. The one thing I don't do is I'm a very loyal individual. So I try my best not to throw people in front of the bus and then back it up on them. That right there was a really tough question. It wasn't that tough. <laughs> It wasn't that tough. None of your questions were tough. The whole day was tough. Except for everybody was sweating. Soon as they get off that stage, they're like, oh my God, I can't. People get to sweating because they got to remember the story they told during the course of the year. That's why they sweating. If you know your story to be correct all year long, it ain't no sweat. I was tickled that Carlos was doing the reunion. I was. Come through. I was excited until he started asking them deep questions. You're like, I would like to know a little bit more. I was like, Carlos. Let's go into the reunion. I had no plans 
of hosting the reunion. Like, zero. I don't think people know this story, so you guys will get the exclusive mm -hmm. Kimmy and Maurice and, and my raindrops. We had a host um, that we wanted to do it. That person, because of scheduling reasons, <laughs> couldn't do it. And this is the God's honest truth. When that person said, I'm so sorry, I'm unavailable, I was mad because I was like, Oh my gosh, like, who's going to do it? <laughs> I, because I'm a producer first. And, and that's the thing that I don't think people realize. So my mind went into, well, damn, well, who's going who's gonna to host okay. it? True story. I spent hours like, who's going to host it? I, I, I'm going to give y'all some names. I said, well, maybe I can convince Iyanla Vazan to host it. Angela Dugan, who's the vice president of development, I called her. And I hate giving anybody disappointing news. And I said, girl, you know, so-and-so can't do it. I'm so disappointed. I don't know what to do because we're, we're taping the reunion in two weeks. And, I don't, and Carlos King does not have a host for this explosive-ass <laughs> season. Because it's been, because of COVID, mm -hmm. it's been over a mm -hmm. year since we had a reunion. Angela said, honey, you should host it. Like, I don't understand why you're so disappointed. It, it needs to be you anyway. Because I haven't hosted a reunion in years. And then I was like, really? Long story short, we had a meeting with the network. We pitched a couple of names. Angela said, we're going to add your name to the mix. I added my name to the mix. <laughs> the <laughs> network said, we agree with Angela that you're the <laughs> obvious choice, but we got to get it clear with Miss Winfrey. And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> If Miss Winfrey says no, I'm going to be like, well, damn, Lowe's. Like, you ain't that guy like you right. think you are. But long story short, Miss Winfrey gave her blessing. That's how I became the host. So we made it a part of the show, the reunion, to let you guys know who was hosting it. Kimmy and Melody gave mm -hmm. the best reactions, and Maurice did too. It, it was sort of like, okay, he's fair. Mm -hmm. He knows us. And because we're all friends, it's going to be a conversation versus an interrogation. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Kind of. That's how it started. And, and, and I, think, <laughs> I think you know the background. And so I think for me, a good interviewer is somebody who knows the show, knows the background. And so when I answer a question and you say, okay, I hear you, but in season two, episode three, I think you said so-and-so and so-and-so. Mm -hmm. What did you mean by that? I think that's a good interviewer. I think that's a good host that kind of gets down to the nitty gritty. Like, yeah, I hear what you're saying up here on the stage, mm -hmm. but this is what played out in the show. And sometimes when you have hosts that don't really actually watch the show as religiously, mm -hmm. they're unable to do that. They simply have cards with questions and it's more mechanical. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so yes. I was very happy that it was going to be you because I felt like you would come with the emotion. It's like your baby. I think that you, <laughs> Carlos, do remember that we said you should host a long time ago. Who said? That's true. Who right. said? That's true. And who said it first? The Scots. Kimmy is so supportive. She was like, um, it should be mm -hmm. you. And she, and she's so sweet. She was like, and you're just really fucking good at it. Like, I was happy to do it. But Maurice, my question for you mm -hmm. is this. In the beginning, you were happy I was hosting it. At what point during the reunion <laughs> were you like, oh, shit? There were some questions that you were asking Martel. And I was like, he's relentless. Like, Carlos actually could be a really good lawyer for depositions. Like, <laughs> I bring Carlos in for the deposition. You did a really, really good job. They're like, why Why is anybody ever hosting anything else? Love and Marriage Huntsville. 
When it comes to Maurice and Kimmy, y'all are kind of like the fan favorites in the sense of like, people just love y'all relationship. They love that y'all represent people who hold other people accountable. And Kimmy, we've seen how you navigated through troubled waters (laughs) (laughs) with Tisha and Miss Wanda. And the one thing that 100% of the people have said about you navigating through those relationships is you are very clear and direct on the messaging. And no one can say Kimmy wasn't clear. But I also know it's very difficult for you. Going through that tumultuous moment with Tisha and Wanda, how difficult was it for you? Because not only are you on a reality show, you're on a reality show with your family. You know, like your brought-in family. Well, I'm the (laughs) brought-in. And so, like, being the brought-in, you really don't try to stir the waters. Like, you really don't. Um, in this entire scenario, that was probably, is probably the most difficult for me. Um, because there are certain things we just don't see eye to eye. And even though we're not going at it every day, it doesn't necessarily mean that our viewpoints have changed. We've just learned to acquiesce, meet in the middle on some things that we may not agree with. And at the end of the day, I feel like here in Huntsville, we're the core of our family, like the four of us. And so it affected us well beyond a TV show, you know? So navigating that has been super difficult. It's been super difficult. Um, Wanda is Wanda. And as much as I love Wanda and her personality, I feel that there are times when Um, She pushes the envelope with me anyway. I feel there's time she pushes the envelope. And as people have come to know me, it's not very many people I give much leverage to in pushing that envelope. And so it's been hard because she's Tisha's mom. Like it's hard. She's Tisha's mom. So like when she talked greasy to Jalen, I'm going to feel some kind of way. Wanda's situation has probably been a little bit more difficult than me and T because I feel like me and T have come to understand that We've learned something about each other. I'm still figuring Wanda out. And so it makes it, it makes it tenuous. It makes it tenuous. Who child, I hate to interrupt, but we'll be right back with more of my conversation with Kimmy and Maurice right after this quick break. This is Reality with the King. And I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into my conversation with Kimmy and Maurice. Kimmy doesn't call me at all, or a lot, I would say, right? I would never forget this. I'm on set on another show. Kimmy Scott <laughs> texts me, and she said so kindly, Hi, Carlos. Don't want to bother you, but can you talk? <laughs> and I was like, this ain't good, because Kimmy never bothers me. So I called Kimmy in our very personal conversation. The one thing that Kimmy shared was this situation between Tisha and I is real. And I can't have a TV show come in between my relationship. And I understand that we're, we're doing real life. And, and yes, I signed up to give you guys my real life. She said, I just need to hear from you that this isn't something 
that is going to be labored and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Because this is my family. You remember this, Kimmy? Absolutely. And, and, and you're right. I don't call. But like I'm saying, it was bleeding over into reality. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like it was just getting pushed in a couple of different directions. And I just, I... I just, I didn't want that to happen. I just, I didn't want that to happen. I, I try to think about things that I say because you can't take words back. You can't take actions back. You can't take words back. And so some of the things that were happening between us were things that people can't take back. I'm Aquarius and so I'm a holder on. I hold on. I do. I hold on to stuff. And so when people say things to me or do things to me, in anger or in the heat of the moment, I remember it and I hold on to it. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying I'm a holder on. I wanted to be transparent. I wanted to be open. I wanted it to be fixed and I wanted to do what I signed up to do. However, it was just, it was an area that I was uncomfortable in and I just didn't know how to um, navigate. Uh, one of the things I would say that through this, I think that Kimmy has been forced to grow in some areas. Because up until this point, it's all right. See you. Yeah, you know. That's true. So now it's actually that's forced true. her to push past certain things to, you know, find ways to compromise and work things out. And that's like another misnomer, I guess, from the show. And people will say like, "Oh, Kimmy did this, and she's still talking about, and she's still no." Y'all kind of maneuver some situations because they make us have conversations that sometimes I wouldn't normally have. I am a legit don't give a fuck. Like, I'm a legit, I'm finished. Like, I just don't have the time or energy. And so I've said that since season one. I think there are times, because it's a show, you force us to have conversations that normally we actually wouldn't have, you know? Um, and and to the at the end of the day, some of them have been productive. You know, when you sign on to do a reality show... It, it sort of puts you in this position to where you have to have conversations that you ordinarily would just not have or mm-hmm. ignore. Right. Mm-hmm. But because you're on a show, correct, you it has to make sense to the audience. You have to go to the beginning, the middle, mm-hmm. and the end. What is your relationship like with Tisha and Wanda? Um, we're in a much better place. I think a lot of things have happened in our lives as adults to make us understand that um, you it, it's not about the small stuff. I can honestly say... Our relationship isn't exactly where it was before the show. That's just an honest statement because things have been said and transpired. And, you know, you just kind of see different angles of people um, where you accept people where they are. There's some things about me that I feel like she feels she's had to accept um, that she didn't feel like she knew before and vice versa. Wanda and I, we, we, it's not like we talk on the phone or anything, but even off screen, we've still had some situations where I think Wanda has been out of pocket, you know, like every person on this show protects their kids and their husbands, their wives and whatnot. And so we've had situations even still where Wanda, in my opinion, has, um, spoken out of turn to my kid and it's not, it's not cool by me. And, you know, the apologies after the fact, I get I think they get old. Like at some points you just stop. You know, we're still kind of back and forth because I just think she takes leverage sometime to say what doesn't need to be said. I want to go back a little bit to season one, because in the beginning of the season. It was rumored 
in Huntsville that Martell was stepping out. And one thing I know, because I have six brothers, is that boys don't tell on each other. Talk to me about how, in the beginning, because y'all are so close, how troublesome that was because you're on a TV show, to be real, but you also know this is your homeboy who's going through something that you're not too sure is going to end well. Carlos, I know that... um... I don't know if you know the conversations that we had, but it actually was a pact. And it wasn't just a pact between the guys. Mm -hmm. It was a pact between the six of us Mm -hmm. because we knew about all of this stuff before the show started. And it was shocking to us. Like if you saw my face in the episode, we're all sitting around the dining room. So we're talking about this. And I I still (laughs) didn't know (laughs) that it was going to go full tilt. I'm just saying... You know, it was one of those what if questions, you know, because when we used to all get around, Mel would always have these what if questions that would get it going. Like some couples, they might fight that night. Other couples, you know, they might cuddle that night. We don't know based on the what if question. Mm -hmm. I thought it could have been a what if question. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nonetheless, based on what they had already went through, it was a shocking question that that was the what if. It was all six of us. We all six, because we were friends mm-hmm. and we did know stuff about each other. We all six sat down and full transparency, because fans will probably not all be that happy. But we all said, what's things y'all don't want to talk about? Like, whatever you don't want to talk about, let us know right now so we don't accidentally touch on it. You see what I'm saying? And that was one of the things that they asked. And this is funny. One of the first two episodes, we were doing my bridal shower filming. And they wanted Maurice and I to talk about the rumors. And me and Maurice kept dancing around it. And we was talking about everything else and not doing it. I remember you, uh, Angela, y'all pulled us (laughs) out the bathroom, pulled us right in here, right here into the hall and said, (laughs) what is going on? Why won't you talk? And we told you. We had this conversation and they asked us not to talk about it. Like, they asked us not to talk about it. Hey, and Carlo said, you're wasting my film and you're wasting my time. Right. They're talking about it and we're talking about right. it. And I was like, right. well, right. all right, back to business. <laughs> and so that was like a for real honest thing. We didn't, we didn't know how they wanted to approach it. And they were our friends. And, and to me, Carlos, more than anything, it's embarrassing and hurtful. Right. Who would ever want to hurt their friends, you know, on a national platform? They weren't here at our house when that happened. Mm -hmm. So when things started going left, we were like, we were trying to protect y'all. And that is very true. Um, Obviously, I said this on the behind the scenes special that aired, I think, two years ago or three years ago. A week before we were shooting the pilot episode, Melody was like, I got to tell you something. Martell is cheating on me. It's been going on for a very long time. I was shocked because when I met them, they pitched me like an HGTV type show amongst themselves. And based upon what they presented to me, I was like, this brother is sprung off of some melody hold. He lets her shine. Like, she is like this star. And he's like, here you go, baby. But long story short, that dinner scene you're talking about, Maurice, because we knew the information, because Melody shared it with us, it was a moment of, what do y'all normally do? How do you address stuff? And Melody did say, Maurice, I asked these what-if questions, and it gets the party started, pretty much. 
we had no idea <laughs> what the crash was going to be. <laughs> so I that- said to her, look, let's just shoot this pilot. If you want to pursue it afterwards, great. If not, no love lost, but I believe in God's destiny. And if we get picked up for a season, it, it's, it's meant to be. So when she mm-hmm. asked that what a question about what if, you know, this whole thing about respectful cheating. And Maurice gave the best reaction. Kimmy in her ponytail and her off-the-shoulder top <laughs> was like, was like, uh, there's 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 a thing called respectful cheating. Like, what are we doing and... here? And because of that dinner scene. When the network saw the pilot, you know, obviously they loved the fact that they, they, they kept saying, like, these are some beautiful couples who are smart and successful. And that was the draw to them. The comeback group initiative was the draw to them. So we knew we had that. The network had no idea that you guys <laughs> had this interesting personal story going on and when they saw that dinner scene, they were like, oh, we have a sh- like we 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 have a show, 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 show. <laughs> like this is going to be something interesting because I was shocked that Martel was doing that, and the network was shocked. All of those elements, being attractive, being successful, the comeback group, in addition to the personal story, is truly what made the network say, We want this show. When did you guys feel that, hmm? We have a hit show on our hands. What, what, what was that moment for the two of you? Oh. I think that was early for me. Mm-hmm. For me, it was early. I would say um, season two, easy. Uh, because, and I say this as humbly as I can. I've said it to other interviewers. I believe the collective to be a gold mine. I think it was literally um, a nugget of gold that was found. I think our interpersonal relationships, our personalities, our characters, I think that who we bring to the table as people is phenomenal. And this is just an honest, you know, cast statement. I always felt like some of the earlier episodes were a little better than the older ones, only because I felt like we were really allowed to be who we were in the beginning. Like, say what you want, do what you want. Sometimes after a little bit of editing, you get a little more cautious of your words. You get, a, and you just do by nature. Um, you get a little more, you hold back a little more after you see it edited out a little bit. You're like, eh, I'm not going to say that. Or I'm not going to take a breath in between this and then you can't cut it out. You know, so I feel like in the beginning, we all were just a little bit more giving of our real personalities, and I think that matters. I think that all six of us, the original six, brought something very unique. Mm -hmm. And everybody is strong in that specific space. You guys are 100% correct. This show, Love and Marriage Huntsville, was lightning in a bottle. I instantly fell in love with the six of y'all, the original six, the three couples, Martel, Melody, Maurice, Kimmy, Tisha, Marcel. It's, it's hard to describe to the audience how a producer feels when he or she is introduced to a collective that is rooted in reality with a backdrop being Huntsville, Alabama, and everything that just came so organically real, you know, when it came to the show. And I believe that's the reason why the show was an instant hit. Mm-hmm. Like, people instantly love the show because 
all of the elements mm-hmm. of aspiration, inspiration, and <laughs> wait, what's going on in this household? All of that played into the success of the show. And listen, I'm not perfect, nor are my producers, and life isn't perfect, and the cast ain't perfect. And the one thing that I will say is, you know, my biggest goal moving forward, honestly, and I'm saying this publicly, so hold me accountable, I want to get back to the basics of the show. And what I mean when I say that is, I was watching a cut that you guys haven't seen yet. And it's the original six having a dinner scene based upon what happened with Wanda and Melody and and, uh, the home of Donnie Melee. And the absolute moment the six of y'all sat down, and this is a true story, I was watching on a Sunday, and I was like, this is what I need to get back to. Like, there, it was just something... It, it, it was something... It, something magical happens when the six of y'all are together. 100% agree. 100% yeah. agree. And... Um, I agree. I would like to get back to that. And I agree with you. I think in the beginning... I'll, I'll say this. I think in the beginning, everybody was hungry. Like, oh my... Like, we want to be number one. And we're going we gonna to give everything to it. And I and, and listen, this is no shade to anybody. I always say to people, I have no idea what it's like to be on reality TV telling my personal business. I don't know what that feels like. And I always say to people, I understand that at some point it comes in time when you're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to address it. I'm not going to say how I really feel because I don't feel like dealing with the backlash of it. And my my hope, and I, and I believe this will happen, but... My hope is that we do get back to the original way the show was, which honestly, and, and I know the listeners are like, whatever, Carlos, you like messy, ratchet shit. And listen, you right, know, right, right, and listen, right, right. And listen, listen, we all do. We all do. Let's be clear. But you need a little of it, little sprinkles. But I, <laughs> next season, I want to see more of the six of y'all in the same room. And I know, based on where we are right now, that's a tall challenge. However, I am not going to rest until we all collectively agree that our relationships may not ever be the same. But, but we all love this show and we all gave our all to this show. And let's get back to doing that in a way that is honest when it comes to the six of us. So I wanted to let you guys mm-hmm. know that. I already spoiled what my meeting was going to be about, but mm-hmm. I still have more to say that I ain't going to say on the, on, the, on the podcast. But, you know, that's the main you. thing. <laughs> but do y'all, do y'all agree with me? A hundred percent. I think that if, if you saw the meteoric rise that we all had when we were collective, mm-hmm. it was just so much diversity in the room. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different viewpoints about everything. Now, mind you, on one side, it's a challenge and it makes you sharpen your 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 sword when you're bringing uh, your ideas to the table because it's going to be challenged. However, you know, you have six different viewpoints of how to make it right, how to make it successful, a different way of looking at it. And those what if questions, I can tell you this, Carlos, you need to show the audience <laughs> the unedited version of that. <laughs> No, it was too long. Remember, Carlos would get angry. Carlos would be 
be like, I said, stop talking. This cut is over. No. And we would talk forever and ever and ever. Pink says, y'all are adults. I know you know what you're talking me. I know you know. I know you understand when I say stop talking. There was, but there was so much. There was so much that we were talking about. I know you remember that. I do. I know you remember that. I do. Hey, Carlos, there were some really good nuggets that we left on the floor. Trust me. But Carlos, what's funny is that those same things y'all filmed that went on for hours. When we were upstairs in Cotton Row, see, first season, when we were in the dining room, when we were out in the little cotton field that go on for hours, yes. that was like real life. We would talk for literally hours on end about those kind of things. And in all fairness, we really thought a fair share of those would be played out to where it elicited conversation male female conversation yeah. husband mm-hmm. wife conversation you know builder contractor conversation where contractors disagree you know what i mean so we we've, we've always been in that little vein about just kind of spurring on conversation part of the reason the comeback group had such a hard time was because those meetings went on for hours without resolution <laughs> without yeah. resolution <laughs> Do you, Carlos, do you remember when the, the cameraman fell asleep? Yes! He was like, too much. they talking about the same shit for two... But listen, Alex. as a producer, Alex. listen, as a producer, but that goes to show you there was... It was just... It was honesty, and there was a level of not only just respect, but camaraderie, and y'all cared about each other. Because when you don't care about somebody, you will walk out the scene and be like, I'm done. And that was the beauty of it. And I'm hoping to get back to that. And when it comes to the two of you, do you guys miss the friendships that y'all had with each other in the beginning as a collective? I do. I think that ultimately, um, everybody was in a better place at that time. You know, um, business-wise, notoriety-wise, and all the rest of that stuff, of course, we're light years beyond, beyond where we were. However, I, I think when you when you strip away all of that stuff, what do you want to leave? You want to have relationships. You want to have love. You want to have things that matter outside of you know the money. Yeah. And I think that that's uh, that to me has always been important. I think it speaks to you know my character, and I think that collectively as the six of us, if we can rebuild those relationships, then I think that we'd be much better off. Yeah, I miss I miss the excitement of how much we actually enjoyed each other. Like, and 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 anybody I tell you, I was pretty much the outlier of the six. But um, even with that being said, I like the energy. Like when Martel, Melly would get up and text at six o'clock, we going camping today, or we going hiking, or let's go to Memphis, or let's go to Nashville. That, you know, that was, that was fun. The spontaneity of it as friends was fun. To see all of us enjoying each other's company was fun. You know, obviously the times when we had a little tension, that's not fun. You know, like, I don't want that part back. But Kimmy, what's interesting is it was still fun. Like, I I tell people this all the time. My favorite season of Love and Marriage Huntsville. Again, I don't know what season we in, so I'll I'll just tell y'all what happened that season. I loved the Vegas trip. And I'm going to tell you why. And this is why I know we can get back to that. Melody Martell was still divorced. Everybody was at a place in their lives where I think they're kind of still there. But it was magical when y'all all were in the same room together. 
kicking back drinking in the pool. And you don't have to always agree with each other, but there was just this, it was this love that y'all had for each other. And I know that we'll never get back to where people were four years ago, but if we can get back to where y'all were in Vegas, where we're around each other, we can have dinners, we can hang out. Tisha and Melody can coexist in the same room and have conversations and, and have each other's back. You know, Kimmy can have a disagreement with Marceau and Tisha and still be like, let's go out to have dinner, go to the club. Like, I, 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 I know that, again, there is something about the original six, and I know that may sound shady to the other cast members, and it's not shade. And no shade. Be- but it at just the is end of the- what it is. It is what it is, and at the end of the day, the show is where it's at because of the six of y'all. Period, mm-hmm. point, and the blank. This show mm-hmm. would not be where it's at if we took out one. Like, I always say this, and I'll say always. it again. Me too, me too. I, I will always say it. <laughs> Love and Marriage Huntsville became the number one show on OWN because of the original six, mm-hmm. because it was definitely lightning in a bottle, and people miss the six of y'all just talking to each other. Take one out without the other. People say mm-hmm. all the time, oh, you need to have your own show. Yeah, no. Like, it's the six. And it works with the six. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to love me. You can love Mel. You don't have to love Mel. You can love T. Like, it's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. It literally is something for everybody. And that's the part I like about it. Like, real talk. I mean, like, everybody ain't gonna like you. It's all good. Like somebody else. <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> hey, hey, Carlos, this is this is how you can tell that that's true, is that every single person has become the villain at one time. That's They've true. They've all been loved, <laughs> and they all become the villain at one time. Every single one of them. That's true. Right? So, yeah, I, I'd love for the six to get, you know, back together, get to a place to where at least... We spurred a conversation, but there's one thing I need to add, man. I, I have to say this. We keep saying number one on own. I want to remove just the own part, too. That's like goal is what you're saying? We need to be just number one, period. <laughs> <laughs> That's what well, we need to be on next. Well, look, you're on your way. You guys are the number one reality show um, on Saturday nights. And oftentimes, oftentimes, you're number one in African-American households. Like, you guys see the receipts. And again, it's because of this show, we're able to spin off into other territories, D.C. being one of them. Like, Mm -hmm. and I just think that's honorable, and that's what you should Yes. Because of the six of y'all, because I've met with Mela Martell, because of um, unbelieving in the show, it helped all of us. It helped me. It helped you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's an issue saying thank you to people that had some sort of way into your destiny. I think that just glorifies God that we all can work together. So the idea of a franchise for a Black-owned production company is a big deal because it it doesn't happen every day. I want all of my babies to be successful. And that's the reason why after the reunion, Carlos King is coming to Huntsville and we're going to have a nice little dinner at Cotton Row so that we can um, continue <laughs> on to greatness. <laughs> but now, all jokes aside, before I let y'all go, I just want to say this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this show. Thank you for being a part of my life. Thank you for what you guys bring to the show, to the table. It, it means the world to me that four to five years later, we're still able to have a conversation where 
we can laugh and joke. And I love you guys more than you could ever imagine. And I thank you guys for being a part of this. Thank you, yeah. Carlos. And we love you too. Yes. And, love- and, and your yeah. professionalism and your creativity and what you've made of this situation. Thank you. Even when you scold thank us, you. you do it in love. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Kim Memories, where can people find you? follow you, support you, all those great things. So, of course, I'm on Facebook, and I'm Kimmy Scott. Y'all notice I changed that. I don't know if y'all noticed, but I'm Kimmy Scott. Uh, (laughs) Because I'm married to him, so therefore my name is Kimmy Scott. Um, And then on Instagram and on Twitter, I'm Kimmy, K-I-M-M-I underscore K-L-S. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Miami Reese. That was such a fun interview. Kimmy and Maurice, (laughs) they're so fun together. And based on that conversation, I'm happy we were able to discuss the future of the Love and Marriage Huntsville show. Because I'll say it once, I'll say it again. The original six, as they like to call them, I, I would like to see them get back to a place at least where they can be cordial and get along for the greater good of the community. But let me know what you think. Is that something you think can happen? Or, child, is it over? Tweet me, hashtagging reality with the king, and let me know. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlosking underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Tweet me your thoughts and hot takes about this episode using the hashtag realitywiththeking. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by LaChique Lotus-Lee and LaPortia Thomas. Engineering and music by Marcus Hong. More sauce. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.